Hello there, my friends. Welcome to Winning at Fibromyalgia podcast, episode number three. What can be done about fibromyalgia pain? I'm Dr. Martina Ziegenbein, the executive producer of the podcast, and I'm so excited to be here today. Um, first, let me summarize the first two episodes. In the first one, I talked about what fibromyalgia pain is, that it's a neuroplastic type of pain, which come which comes from misfiring neurons of the brain pain centers and pain pathways. In the second podcast, how does the fibromyalgia pain come to be? I explained that it is believed that certain emotions, including past traumatic events, current or past stress, all increase cortisol levels in our system, which sends danger signals in the brain and that can produce pain in the body. I also stressed several times that the pain of fibromyalgia is real. You feel the pain, so it is real. The reason it has gotten a lot of negative press in the past is that women were felt to be making the pain up or that the pain was in their heads. Well, the pain is real, but it is caused by the brain and not by any injured or damaged tissues. It is definitely not a product of their imagination. Today, I will present and summarize my framework of approaching the fibromyalgia pain. As a way of disclaimer or disclosure, I would like to mention my resources and where I go for information. I have mentioned before I'm a board-certified rheumatologist, and as a result, my first um, and basic understanding of the fibromyalgia came from reading all kinds of articles, resources, and attending numerous lectures on fibromyalgia organized uh, and provided by American College of Rheumatology. And in that regard, I follow work and available resources from the team of Dr. Daniel Claw, uh, who is a rheumatologist at the University of Michigan, who has been leading the fibromyalgia research for the past two decades. His is the group that was among the first ones to confirm with functional MRIs that the pain was real. Recently, I became acquainted with work of Dr. Alan Gordon, um, who is the leader of the pain reprocessing center at uh, in LA. And he recently published a book, Way Out, and it talks about all kinds of research related to brain pain slash neuroplastic pain and what to do about it. I will talk about his pain reprocessing uh, system in the coming episodes. So I integrate all of this information when I work with my patients in my clinic. And I'm also currently putting a course together for women in an online format that anyone will be able to take at their own pace. So in my opinion, in summary, there are three basic steps that one should follow uh, in order to get started on the journey of improvement from fibromyalgia pain. They are number one, confirm the diagnosis of fibromyalgia by a rheumatologist. Number two, start accepting the notion and concept of neuroplastic pain. And number three, be willing to do things you have never done before in order to get results you have never gotten before. And under that, I put a practice of self-compassion and mindfulness, pain reprocessing therapy, and a third one would be evaluate your life for all stressors and where you might live out of integrity with your true self. So let me elaborate on the first two and one from the third one. 
So number one was confirm the diagnosis of fibromyalgia. So in my opinion, it is of crucial importance to have the diagnosis confirmed by a rheumatologist. This is not just to give a plug-in for myself or my profession. I truly believe, and there is data to support this, that rheumatologists are uniquely trained and positioned to diagnose the condition. So you may ask why that is. We are trained to look for clues on your history, that means what you tell us, what your symptoms are, and your exam that may point to the diagnosis of an inflammatory or autoimmune process. Fibromyalgia symptoms may look like inflammatory symptoms of someone with rheumatoid arthritis or other inflammatory condition, and we, the rheumatologists, are the ones who help you distinguish that. The reason this is important to distinguish is because rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, lupus, and other inflammatory conditions get treated with medications that suppress immune system and decrease inflammation. Fibromyalgia does not get treated with these medications, so it is of crucial importance to distinguish. Uh, I also should mention that um, there are uh, many times that women have both inflammatory condition and fibromyalgia, which is also important to know, as you can imagine. Generally speaking, um, once the rheumatologists confirm the diagnosis, we don't always follow fibromyalgia patients longitudinally. I do so now because I specialize in helping women with fibromyalgia. General rheumatologists usually specialize in seeing patients with inflammatory conditions, but there is no harm, in my opinion, to check in with your rheumatologist every three to five years, or if there are any new symptoms that were you or your primary care physician. So for the first visit, we generally either want to see or check ourselves several labs, including blood counts, liver, kidney inflammation, and muscle tests and thyroid. Sometimes we check vitamin D levels, and obviously we do that after we talk and examine you, but sometimes primary care physicians send us these labs before we see the patient. If these are all normal and exam is normal, we don't usually look any further. But in some instances, if the labs are normal, but the exam is not completely normal, we look further. And that is why you want to see us first. So I hope this explains this topic. The second point was to start accepting the concept of neuroplastic pain. This is also crucially important. We as physicians are still learning how to explain the concept of neuroplastic pain to our patients so that they have a good understanding of the scope and so that they trust us and believe us that we do not say we are not saying that the pain is in their heads. I have to admit I still see quite a few patients whose first reaction to my explanation about neuroplastic pain is, well, oh, are you saying my pain is not real? So that is that means that despite my best efforts to reassure the person that the pain is real, there is no damage to the tissues, the message still gets lost. So I still work on that and my colleagues also work on getting the message across better. It is a lot to take in. If you have lived with the pain for years or even a decade and you believe that there is something wrong with your body, of course you don't feel inclined to believe that the body is okay and that the pain is all produced by your brain. You could be asking, why would my brain do that? So yes, I get it. It is hard to accept at first. So I usually start by asking my patients to be open to the idea of neuroplastic pain. They don't have to believe it or accept it right away. Um, you can start making steps to feeling better even without believing it fully. 
but it is important to be open to the idea. Acceptance, acceptance changes something in our brain that allows learning and new information to come in. So third step in the journey to get better from fibromyalgia is be willing to do things you have never done before. And on that, I want to first touch upon the practice of self-compassion and mindfulness today. So up until the, I would like to disclose something. Up until today, this item only including practicing mindfulness. And as a serendipity, uh, serendipity would have it, I had the privilege of listening to Dr. Kristin Neff speak earlier today. Dr. Neff is the leading researcher and expert on compassion, self-compassion and its effects on mental health. I am part of the Empowering Women Physician Coaching Program uh, organized by Sunny Smith, by Dr. Sunny Smith, and she was a guest speaker today. So it was truly transformational for me to hear her confirm what I have su suspected for so long. And it also made me change my uh, first sub point of this third point uh, that um, willingness to do things you've never tried before is including self-compassion and mindfulness. So what does it mean, you might ask, to practice self-compassion? It means caring about the pain and suffering of your own. So not only a suffering of others, but your own suffering and pain. Uh, I mentioned in the earlier episode that stress activates our flight or fight response. That sends danger signals to our primitive brain and increases cortisol level in our body. Increased cortisol levels can directly lead to pain through increasing tension in the back muscles and other muscles in the body, or just increasing sensitivity of the uh, neurons to pain signals. Practicing self-compassion lowers blood pressure, heart rate, and increases levels of oxytocin in our body. Oxytocin is the feel-good hormone that is released when the mothers first bond with their newborns or anytime we have somebody touch us with care and kindness. A practice of self-compassion does not have to be complicated. She actually led a practice today during the call. Uh, it has three main components, um, and I will give you an example of how it went today. So the three components are kindness, awareness, and the sense of common humanity. And um, I suggest the following steps. Um, so first step, find a comfortable position, close your eyes. Slow down your breathing and bring attention, bring your attention to something stressful happening in your life right now. Acknowledge the pain and suffering you're feeling. Name it. Uh, name whatever emotion you're feeling. It could be anxiety, sadness, frustration. Feel the emotion. Now imagine what you would say, what you would say to a friend, to a good friend, if they were in this situation. You might say something like, of course, you're sad or frustrated or angry. Uh, it happens. Life is not perfect. Mistakes happen. This is the human experience. You did or are doing the best you can. This is the best you can do. This is all you can do. And now say it to yourself. Feel the emotion. Allow yourself to feel it. Name it. Uh, put a hand over your chest as if putting it over your heart to protect it. And feel kindness to yourself as if it was your best friend or someone you love. Because it is. It is you. Believe this friend that this is part of human experience. Other people suffer and experience this too. You're not alone. 
you don't have to fix anything. You don't have to do anything else. You're just bringing awareness to the emotions you're feeling and you say kind things to yourself because you care. And that's it. You can open your eyes. Um, Self-compassion is not sugarcoating things. It is not letting yourself off the hook either. It is opening yourself to pain with kindness. If you make a mistake and you feel guilt, with kindness, you can commit to doing your best in the future, not making the same mistake again. Rather than feeling shame, you feel resolved not to make the same mistake again. When your brain gets kindness in response to frustration, anger, anxiety, something changes in the way we are able to deal with stress and pain. Our, our chemistry, our body chemistry changes. Everyone has their own flavor of suffering. I have personally rheumatoid arthritis and some chronic aching in my back. Other persons uh, have back pain, yet another person has a history of significant trauma. Everyone has some flavor of pain and the amount is different and the way it manifests is different. The human experience is about challenges. That's why it mean, That's what it means to be a human. There is not a single person alive who does not have some pain or difficulty. So when we remember this truth, what happens that instead of feeling all alone in our suffering and isolated in our struggles, we feel more connected to other people. That sense of connectedness gives us a sense of strength and coping and feeling we can handle this because this is a human condition. Uh, so I'm going to leave you with that thought. If you like this or found this helpful, please leave a comment or review. You can find me at Facebook as Martina Lenartova, L-E-N-A-R-T-O-V-A, or my website at https um, colon uh, forward slash forward slash www.winningatfibromyalgia.com. I look forward to chatting with you again uh, next week. We'll be talking more about the other items from the third point that I mentioned about willingness to do things you've never done before.